All right, we we in here now with another episode of Grasshoppers Ear. Now, I've said this before, but this is definitely a special episode because we have what? what uh, a cheek veteran? <laughs> what, 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 what do we call ourselves? Cheek OGs? Or, <laughs> I will take that, yes. <laughs> yeah, so definitely we are, that. We born and raised. Good old Cheek Texas. Cheek the bus Texas one crew. The That's what that is. <laughs> without the S. Miss uh Miss Gladys Jackson, a bus yep. driver. Who else we had? We had my grandma on the we had Miss Mary. Who else we had? We had Miss Barbara too. Miss Barbara. Uh-huh. So we go way back. Absolutely. And that man that make me feel old saying that. Oh yeah. <laughs> As soon yeah. as I hit 30, that's when it hit me. I was like, yeah, I'm not yeah. one of them young people anymore. I, nope. As soon as I started hearing my bones crack, that was it. I, yeah. I know what age bracket I'm in now. I'm telling you. Yeah. So what they say, time don't wait for nobody. I mean, not at the, all. Old, the old people just uh, used to say, just keep saying good morning. <laughs> just keep saying good morning and you're going to get the... All that laughing you're doing at me, getting up slow and sitting down yep. slow, you're going to be right there with me. It's coming. It's coming. I ain't looking forward to it, but it's coming. That's why I try yeah. to stay. So like I tell everybody, if I'm not at work, I'm at the gym or I'm at home. But I make sure I go to the gym because like, I'm not getting no longer, no younger. So I got to stay in shape somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so... I, she corrected me on this. Cecily is a licensed professional counselor, not a life coach. It's a big difference. She didn't want me to say this, but she is a big deal. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so uh, so we, we talked about this before, but you told me that Grandma Gladys has a saying that you, you still say to this day. Yes, that is um, one of my sayings. Stop all that dad glass of noise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like just just the bus stories alone is, is just hilarious. Like I I still remember my grandmother, God uh, bless her soul and rest in peace, almost wrecking a bus trying to get rid of a, a frog. And I don't know what I was doing. I, cause I, I think that was before before I had a cell phone. I'm playing with somebody. All I hear is grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm not in trouble. What I do? <laughs> so I had to go to the front of the bus and grab that frog with my bare hands to get rid of it because she was not having it. Oh yeah. Which is hilarious because she was not. She wasn't scared of lizards, but frogs couldn't deal with she it. couldn't do it <laughs> couldn't do it wait hold on i lost your sound oh no my um uh, i think i'm back hold on there you go my uh, my brother was calling i'm gonna have to call him back he don't know he don't know i'm working right now but um so like i said before i appreciate you even joining me uh definitely having a chico g with me so I'm gonna jump into one of the first questions. One of the first questions I have from uh, for you is from my little sister Jade. She okay. says, "What what is the best part of being a licensed professional counselor?" Ooh, that's a 
that's a good one. Um, well, I would say the best part would be helping one, that's like the first thing, like helping people, but mm -hmm. then also seeing the growth. Because mm -hmm. when they first um, come see you, it's more of when they're at their worst and they've hit mm -hmm. bottom. But mm -hmm. seeing that progression from where they were to where they are once mm -hmm. basically um, therapy has ended and mm -hmm. we go into what I call the maintenance phase, mm -hmm. I think that's the best part. So seeing and being there with them in that growth. Mm -hmm. And I forgot, uh, I, I have a book. One, um, I know, well, Eric Briscoe. His um he he he's uh, good friends with a counselor in in California, and one of the things his counselor said because I went to um his um Black Man Now conference and yeah. I went to that and his his counselor said that I I don't want to always see you like I want to get you to a point to where you're counseling yourself. Yep. And I was like, wow, uh -huh. like, I've never heard anybody say it like that before. Yeah, because you definitely, um, from a um, LPC perspective, you don't want to create that codependency because you want to be able to give them the tools to be able to regulate themselves during those difficult times and basically work yourself out of a job. That's That should be the goal. Yeah. And it, it made a lot of sense, but I never heard anybody say it before. So mm -hmm. like, wow, that that's something right there. Yeah. Um, uh, Victoria, my other list, I got four sisters. So I, I, I throw a bunch of sisters out there. Victoria said, uh, "What's the biggest hurdle you had to come over? You had to overcome yourself." Ooh. Um, that's a hard one. I feel like there's so many. Um. But with those hurdles, it's just the biggest thing of not letting it stop me. Because mm -hmm. when you you stumble, even if you stumble, you gotta keep going. Um, mm -hmm. But probably the biggest one is just like confidence within yourself to be able to do what you're doing. That mm -hmm. was probably the biggest one going through grad school. Of mm -hmm. am I gonna be able to do this? Mm -hmm. Or second guessing myself. But mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest things that I've overcame. Yeah, and. Um... I've heard this um, shared a bunch of different times, a bunch of different ways. Sometimes people try to stop you from doing what you had, what you set out to do because they don't think they can do it. So yeah. they, they put their fears onto you. Mm -hmm. Like I've had, um, like, let's say, for example, the re one of the reasons why me and my wife connected is because we like to travel. So whenever I was single, I would pick a place that I wanted to go to and I would go because I didn't have anybody to stop me. I didn't have anybody to yeah. talk me out of it. But my my dad, he actually tried to talk me out of driving to Atlanta by myself. Not mm -hmm. because he didn't think I could do it, but he was scared for me. Yeah. But when I got there, I ended up meeting a cousin with the same last name. I didn't even know it existed. Oh, wow. Right. Her name is Linda Jackson. Oh, wow. And my dad knew she lived out there because my dad's dad, his his siblings, they, they scattered. So they moved all over the place. Yeah. So I met a cousin with the same last name, didn't know existed because I took that leap and just uh -huh. wanted to, to go out there and do my own thing. Yeah. And 
it was pretty cool. That was the uh, the second longest trip I've. Well, no, that's the longest trip I've took taken by myself. It was thirteen hour drive. Oh wow! That was interesting in itself because I, I stopped in Mississippi and just to stop at the little truck stop. Uh -huh. Then in the middle of the night, I had to find a hotel. My hotel was in Alabama by myself. Uh, I think I was maybe in my early 20s or something. Yeah. Definitely wasn't the safest thing at all. Uh-huh. Because I was about to say, what were you thinking? <laughs> well, I knew where I was. And because I used to travel with my dad, I say, if I find a Motel 6, I should be all right. So okay. I found a Motel 6, and I was greeted by Roach as soon as I opened the door. But... I knew where I was, and I was like, well, I'll take this over still being out there. So I was, I was like, well, I guess that's my welcome. So I, yeah. I, stayed, I stayed in the Roche Motel overnight, and I, 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 I hurry up and got out of there the next morning. You survived. I survived it, and I know better now. I know how to plan better now and all of that. But it's a memory that, that nobody ever be able to take from me because I, I took that yeah. chance to go and get on out Absolutely. Yep. Um, on to the next one. My cousin Keenan, he asks, well, it's more of a statement than a question. He says, we have a friend showing signs of mental illness. How can we help them or how do we convince them to get help? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I guess my first question would be, what type of mental illness because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the same response for every single one. So mm -hmm. I guess I'll um, briefly go over um, just like anxiety, depression, what we typically see. Mm -hmm. um, with that, the first thing is um, there is not one specific thing that you can say or do um, for someone in that specific time in that mind frame mm -hmm. except for just being there because mm -hmm. you will sit there and talk until you're blue in the face you will run yourself to the ground trying mm -hmm. to find the words to pour into them mm -hmm. and you're like why isn't this working because there's nothing that you can say the only thing that you can do is just physically be there yeah or no if you have a relationship with that person and i'll use um myself as an example I had a friend whose mom um, passed away and I personally, I've never experienced that. So I don't know what to say. I don't mm -hmm. know how that feels. So because I don't know what to say or how it feels, I made sure that she didn't miss a meal. Mm -hmm. I knew she wasn't feeling okay, but breakfast, lunch, dinner, I brought it to her. Mm -hmm. So in those situations, being there and then also that i think i heard the second part of your question is how can i convince them to get help uh-huh sometimes you can't convince them mm -hmm. and you have to accept the fact that you cannot convince them mm -hmm. um some people just won't go and i always say therapy doesn't work unless you allow it to yeah so you can have someone sitting down on a couch for a whole hour and mm. just stare at you and say mm. nothing that's because they're not wanting to put in the work. So the mm. only thing, it goes back to what I just said, the only thing that you can do is support them mm. in that moment by being there and making mm. sure that they're okay. Yeah, because I, I know um, people personally that are hoarders and they see nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Like 
I, I, it's to the point to where if I have too many clothes, I have to give them away because I don't want, I like, I guess it's mentally, mentally, I don't want to be that. Yeah. So like literally this week, matter of fact, they still in my rental car because I had this a whole nother issue, but they, they literally in the trunk right now. I'm about to go bring them to some other place. And I don't even have that many clothes, but I don't want to be that. So I rather have, I rather somebody else have them yeah. because I haven't wore them in a while. So I figure like, I'm not just going to hold on to something I'm not using. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm just scarred from seeing it so much or what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's actually also a form of trauma as well as like a traumatic response, a trauma uh -huh. response. So it's like, I grew up seeing this or I saw this so much, I don't want to do that. So as a result, I'm going to do the complete opposite. Uh -huh. So yeah, I, that, that's definitely a trauma response. I don't want it. I want to mm -hmm. be able to walk through my floor without stepping over this, this and this. I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm good because I like I I know somebody personally that no matter how much you clean up their house, it's gonna look exactly the same once you leave. Mm -hmm. And ain't nothing yeah. you can do about it. I say the only rule with um, just being there to support them and just being there physically um, is just making sure that one, that they're not harming themselves. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then you can always dial 911. Mm -hmm. Police officers are trained to transport them to the nearest psychiatric hospital to make sure that they are safe. Mm -hmm. So that is my only thing. So if it's um, not like a um, self-harming situation, then the only thing you have to do is just be able to accept the fact that they may not want that help. Mm -hmm. And my, uh, my cousin Keenan had a second uh, question. He asked, what are some of the best programs you've seen to help um, uh, dramatize kids or probably traumatized, you probably meant to say traumatized kids whose experiences have caused them mental issues. Ah, um, I'm trying to think of in this area. There's so many um, residential treatment centers for adolescents throughout um, the Houston area. Um, like if you literally go and Google um, mm -hmm. just to see the different ones in the area. I don't have one specifically. Oh no, I'm lying. I do. Um, I don't know about the Beaumont area, but I do know um, the Houston area. I believe it's called New Dimensions. Mm -hmm. It's not a residential um, treatment center, but it does have like day programs for adolescents mm -hmm. um, in the area. So I, I honestly, yeah, I would recommend them. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, any of the places they have like a specific treatment program and i say that is because i've worked with them um, personally um, and referred people out to them but um just calling the places seeing what services they they have to provide um that would be helpful and mm -hmm. i wish i knew some places in beaumont but the, the good thing about this is we're gonna re we're gonna upload this on Thursday and people will be able to leave in the comments places that they know of. Yeah, because I'm I'm really trying to think um, about the Beaumont area. And I don't know if you can see it on my face, but I'm like thinking real hard because mm -hmm. <laughs> I just know that the um, local um, mental health authority in Beaumont it's um, Spindle Top. So mm -hmm. um, if you're not aware of like specific resources going to your local uh, mental health authority, which is Spindletop in Beaumont, 
um, they can help guide you in that right direction. Mm-hmm. Good advice. All right, my cousin Sharika. I got a lot of cousins chiming in too. Uh, she asks, how do you help and encourage someone you love that's suffering from depression and that has went through traumatic experience? So I, I think that kind of goes back to that um, last question of just being there to support them um, mm-hmm. and being okay with sitting in silence. Cause a lot of times uh, when people have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. having them talk about it can actually do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So just literally being there and holding space. And that means literally sitting in silence does more than anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. And and that's one thing that I, I've mentioned um, to people I work with is a lot of the times um, people get so used to responding that they don't listen. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, they're yeah. faster to react than they are to actually listen or hear what you're actually telling them. Yeah. And I've caught myself doing that before and I've checked myself because I want to understand what you're saying. Yeah. And 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 a lot of people don't do that. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had a I had a question. Now this is my first one for you. Okay. Um, so I not before well, before now, but definitely now then since I started Grasshopper's ear. I get a lot of um, calls, like people just call just to vent to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, how do you protect your own mental health? That was I was about to ask you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I set boundaries. Um, I have very, very strict boundaries. Like even um, in my private practice, I have a cap on how many people I see a day mm-hmm. and how many days a week that I see people. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's hard to set those boundaries because like when you're coming from a place of a giving heart and wanting to help and heal, it's hard Mm -hmm. to set those boundaries. But if you don't, you will run yourself into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, How I do that, not just um, in private practice, but also with family and friends, sometimes during the week, I will only text. I don't answer phone calls. I'm, I'm a still. <laughs> I can definitely incorporate that into my life because so, I. And I, the, and the reason I do that is because like you'll be on the phone having a conversation, and if you've already had like a stressful day and you haven't had time to process and just sit with it, mm-hmm. you'll be answering the phone and somebody's gonna throw something at you, and it's gonna add to it. Mm-hmm. So that's a way that I do set the boundaries with um, family and friends as well. Mm-hmm. Or I'd, I've become comfortable with just cutting them off. I'm like, oh, girl, we ain't about to talk about that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Save that for another time. Uh-huh. All right. Um, now, this is something, a uh, question that I'm sure everybody in the working field can relate to, especially in your field. How do you um, handle different personalities like the the different personalities that you will come in contact with every day so do you mean like from one person Uh or multiple people like multiple people oh okay i didn't know Uh if you meant like um did okay like multiple Uh personality um 
how do I handle that? I feel like I just, I go with the flow. Um, when I'm working, I accept people as they are, where they are. Mm -hmm. And because I'm able to accept them where they are and as they are, it, it's easier to assist them with mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I just take them as is. Yeah. And that's one of the, I've said that about myself. I think that's what draws people to me is because they know if they come with me come to me with something i'm gonna just i'm gonna listen to what they're saying and i'm gonna try to understand it not necessarily put uh my opinion on them i'm gonna just try to yeah. see if they're, if they're asking for my help or what they think like my advice uh -huh. i give it to them but they, they know if they come to me they can get their, their event off. They they have the uh, imaginary couch they can sit on and all of that good stuff. And I, I think that that's what the drawing factor is to me mm -hmm. to, to for me to even get to this point. Yeah, because uh, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Just basically of not judging and mm -hmm. not feeling judged. So when you accept them as is, you're able to see it from their perspective and their point of view and allow mm -hmm. them to just vent, like you said, and let it out. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is probably a question I should have asked way at the beginning, but what, like, what led up to you becoming a licensed professional counselor? Were you bouncing around with different careers and different ideas? Or Food chow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always say, I feel like, honestly, it was a God thing, um, oh. because going back into my twenties, it was bouncing around. Um, I initially, when I went to college, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go and be an attorney. That that's what I want to do. I want to be a lawyer. So went through undergrad, went to law school and I'll never forget this. It was that first semester I'm sitting in a torts class. And I'm looking at the professor and I'm like, I hate this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. Uh -huh. And that whole semester, I remember sitting there with my laptop looking at jobs. Uh -huh. <laughs> Like, this is not what I wanted, but you could not have told me. Mm -hmm. You could not have told 11, 12 year old me that uh -huh. I was not going to be an attorney. Yep. I would have said you were lying. Uh -huh. So that dream was just completely out the window because I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. Uh -huh. And so I'm always a person I have playing A, B, C, and D. So my plan B, I became a teacher and a real estate agent. I still have my license, guys, if you're all looking for a house. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to have to put that plug in there. <laughs> so I became a teacher and um, a real estate agent part-time. And I love teaching. Um, mm -hmm. I taught seventh grade Texas history for about five, six years. Mm-hmm. And then as I was teaching it, that's when I enrolled into my master's program. And I realized that, because kids, they don't care about Texas history. They mm -mm. don't care about what Santana did. They don't nope. care about what Sam Houston did. Nope. The biggest part that I learned at that time was that connection. Mm -hmm. If you create a real good, strong connection, you can get them to learn whatever you need them to learn. Mm -hmm. And so part of that connection was getting to understand them of who they are outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. So 
that's what really got me into counseling and a lot of um my background has been with adolescents mm -hmm. and it's so crazy how um life works um moving into this field i've seen kids that i used to teach and not even knowing the full story at that time what they were going through while they were sitting in my classroom mm -hmm. was blew my mind yeah and i was just like i wish i could tell teachers like you have no idea what some of these kids are experiencing when they go home mm -hmm. they are going through hell literally yes. Yes. and they get up every single day and sit there and listen to you mm -hmm. and learn so mm -hmm. that honestly I, I feel like that has been the biggest um maneuver for my life it was just that teaching so i it's more of a god thing because like if you would have told me back then i would have been doing this I wouldn't have believed it. And I have something similar. Uh, I told this before in some of my previous episodes. Whenever I went to U of H, I was going to be an eye doctor. And and it, it just made sense to me. I wore uh -huh. glasses. My only rationale is I wore glasses. I'm going to be an eye doctor. My, uh -huh. par my parents want a doctor. I'm going to be an eye doctor. Mm -hmm. So I get into the class. Uh, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year. I got to the point where my only goal was not to go to sleep in class. Oh wow! That was that was my goal. <laughs> That's how bored I was. Just bored, like the yeah. I, I was completely bored. Like me and I don't remember the guy's name. Our whole goal was just not to go to sleep, and it never it never worked. And it got to the point where. I think I was in my dorm room or in one of the classes. I was like, this is an expensive nap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Literally, it was an expensive nap. And I think at that that moment, I don't know if it was at the end of the semester or I think it was at the end of the semester, I changed my major. I changed my major that same year. Cause yeah. I'm like, this, this is not working. I like I thought this is what I wanted, but it's too boring. Mm -hmm. It's nothing exciting. Like, okay, you need to know the human anatomy. You need to know all this stuff. But at the same time, it's like, man, I don't know if it's just a monotone teacher or what, but it's just what. Yeah. But then when I, got, when I got into health, it was stuff that I actually could see, like right now, stuff that I like, it was tangible stuff. And like, okay, I can get with this. And my grades went from just barely making it to A's. Like, I want to say yeah. my my senior year of uh, college, I had one B. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I found something I actually like to do. And I think I used it to my advantage. I knew that I was good in school. So, then in high school, I really didn't try that much. Like, mm -hmm. I was, I think our high school class was like 177 people. I was like number 72 or something, and that was without trying. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that if I'd done this, I could still play sports and all the other stuff. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just go ahead and study a little bit the night before, before the test. Because I didn't really know anything about it. Nobody really pushed scholarships on me like, like that. So I mean, I could be living uh, scot-free right now, but I... Yeah. I ain't know. Yeah, I have a whole 
thought process about um, how our school could have done a little different stuff yeah. <laughs> regarding our higher education, but yeah. Well, yeah, it is I, what it is. I definitely, we came out all right. Yeah, we came out all right. And, and that's another thing is I went to, I went to U of H and at the time I didn't even realize how hard it was to get into U of H and I got into my first try mm -hmm. and I graduated from Lamar Beaumont after I graduated from Lamar Port Arthur. I didn't realize how low the percentage of graduation rate was at Lamar Beaumont. Yeah. I didn't, I had no idea because mm -hmm. school wasn't that hard to me. So I, when I graduated, I think some years later, I just happened to be, I, I went to like a, um, one of my cousin's graduations or something. And I just happened to look at the graduation rate on Lamar's website. I was like, wow. Yeah. So that's, I, I think we're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. But um, speaking of Lamar, I haven't found, uh, matter of fact, uh, Shannon Copeland, she's over the alumni uh, part of Lamar. I actually emailed her this morning because I want to I want to branch out and partner more with people around here because mm -hmm. I want to see Grasshopper Zia grow. So yeah, so they they um she's always like I I've donated to the alumni um, before and I get emails every once in a while when they have events and stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I want I want to take this as far as I can because um like I don't know if you saw this or not. Did you see the the video I shared yesterday about Lil Wayne? No, I haven't really been on Facebook. Um, I saw your message about um, this one, but that's mm -hmm. the only time I haven't been able to scroll through. So this, I'm gonna go back and look. It popped up on my timeline randomly, and I just sat there and watched it. So the backstory is, um, when he was 12, he tried to commit suicide. So he and he. When he first mentioned it, he he lied about it. He said that um, that he got shot. But then when he got older, he he said no. I actually tried to kill myself. And I'm uh, I, um. But back to what I was saying, one of the things that stood out to me is he was ten, and his whole goal, like he had his, he's ten, but he had his life figured out. I'm gonna be a rapper. And that's all he wanted to do. Like all his free time, he wanted to be a rapper. And one of the things he said was his mom was a uh, she was a single mom. His dad was wasn't around. So he said his mom was the mom and the dad. And she said he said that um, at times she would take it too far, like it'd be like a stream on him. So he said that um, this particular time, because at starting at ten, he wanted to be a rapper. Fast forward to 11 and 12, he said that it was toward the end of the year and he had half school days. Well, um, he lied and said that he had to go to the whole day. So the other half of the day, he was recording, recording raps and he didn't tell his mom. And somehow his um, somehow his mom found out. And his aunt called him and say, your mom knows what you've been doing and she's going to whoop your ass. And so he he in his mind said, I'm going to show her. So he knew where his gun was, uh, her gun was. So he he took her gun and put it to his head. He was like, and but he was, he was a little kid, oh, wow. so he was, he was scared to sell. So he didn't do that. So 
he knew that he wanted to do it, so he called the police. So he called the police before he did it, and he ended up shooting himself in the chest. Oh, and he wow. didn't die. So he shot himself in the chest, and um, he said at that moment, well, he said when he shot himself in the chest, he didn't even feel it. He just, uh, uh, I think he like passed out, and he woke up by the police knocking on his door. Well, the police didn't hear anything, so like maybe it's just a, a, a like a false call or a prank call or something. But uh, he could hear them outside the door. He said it, it was a wood floor and it was so much blood that he slid himself to the door and started kicking it. And oh, he said wow. that they uh, they broke down the door and because and he's from New Orleans, so the cops. After they broke down the door, they seen him on the floor and ran past him to search the house for drugs, even though he was on the floor bleeding. Oh, wow. And he said that uh, like multiple cops did that until a police officer named Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob stopped and seen him on the floor bleeding, like, do y'all see this baby on the floor bleeding? And he said that Uncle Bob picked him up put him in the car and stayed with him at the hospital until until the, he knew he was okay. And like later on in life, he actually searched out Uncle Bob and tried to pay him and do whatever he could for him because he essentially saved his life, but he yeah. said Uncle Bob wouldn't take anything from him. He, he said it, it, he, he, it, it did him good to know that he helped save somebody's life that mattered. Yeah. And he said at that moment, like when he got older, he realized that's when he had a mental health problem, like for mm -hmm. him actually pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the thing he said was, remember how I said how bad his mom treated him? Yeah. He said from that moment on, that lady that treated him that way didn't exist no more. So even though he ended up harming himself, it, it changed his mom so much that he treated him. She started treating him, I guess, better. Oh, wow. So, like, like I said, I, I ran across this random. Like, I've heard this story over and over again, but this one happened real recently. Because, you know, um, I know I'm going to say her name wrong. The tennis player that pulled out for um, for mental health. Uh, she wanted to yeah. mental health. Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. So this um they mentioned her too so this was a real recent interview but yeah i mean i i can't say i've been there because i haven't but that seemed like a lot of pressure like mm -hmm. the world is looking at you to perform and talk to all these people and criticize you and all this other stuff and i could see how it can be overwhelming yeah absolutely so I mean, like that story. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stories out there like that. But that that little Wayne story, like hearing the mom part, that's my first time ever hearing that part of it. Yeah. Way, but I could see that though, because um, the stricter you are, the the safer, I guess, from a parent's point of view, the safer that child is gonna be, because you're keeping them away from that. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily thinking about um, the negative effects that that strictness might have on that child. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Now, I did I not know that. Sense. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that video. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 after I watched it, I shared it because, I'm like, man, this is this is why. Because he even 
he mentioned this is one of the like the opening lines I, I said when I first started this. Um, I wanted to create a place where somebody could vent to. And he said that same thing. He said, we all need somebody to vent to. I'm like, that was that was my confirmation right there. Yeah. He said the same thing that I said when I first started this. Yeah. And it's very important because um, actually, because right now I'm doing my um, dissertation and it's predominantly for black Americans because historically we have not had that place. The only place that we've mm -hmm. had has been the church. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, for other reasons, they're moving more away from that because of mm -hmm. um, some trauma that they've experienced within the church. But it's mm -hmm. finding a place where you feel supported and not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ostracized. Yeah, and made to feel bad because you're dealing with depression. Because how many times have we heard, oh, well, you just need to go pray. You're not praying hard enough. And, and I've also heard that um, people say that who am I supposed to vent to when the people I vent to can't wait to tell it tell my business somebody else absolutely like as soon as you hang up the phone five other people call girl guess what so and so mm -hmm. just said yep. and it, it happens like yeah. that's 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 trauma in itself like that's a that creates trust issues yeah because um, within our community um we don't have that space and we don't feel that the emotions that we're experiencing is okay. Cause we've been told mm. for so long that it, it's not okay. There's something wrong with us. Oh, so-and-so is not right in the head. He's off, she's off. And it's, it's not okay for us to have those emotions. Historically it's taboo. Cause how many times have you heard? I personally, I didn't grow up with hearing people go into therapy. Mm -hmm. That's not something that I heard of. When I was growing mm -hmm. up, it was, you go to church. Mm -hmm. Jesus is your therapy, point blank, period. But mm -hmm. there's, in society now, it's starting to shift where there is place in the therapy room for Jesus too. Jesus is more than mm -hmm. welcome in my therapy room. So you're mm -hmm. more than happy to incorporate your um, religious beliefs and therapy. Like there's a way mm -hmm. to connect the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, uh, to big piggyback on that, it's not taken seriously. It's more of a joke when somebody has a mental health issue. Cause I would hear growing up, oh, they just a a, a few fries short of a happy meal or something yep. like that. And it's it's not taken seriously. Like, um, I I would hear, I've suggested people to go get therapy or go see a counselor. And I've heard in response, that's for crazy people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know, like, what what do you think um, will break down that wall or that stereotype that you don't need help? Ooh, that's a real good question, because that, that goes real deep um, mm -hmm. in our community. Um, I'd say the first thing is that as far as therapy is concerned, one, you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. um, therapy has shifted drastically since um, the early 1900s. So it's not about people being in a straitjacket anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I guess going back 
there's not a lot of black people in therapy and not as far as like sitting down on a couch talking about your feelings but as far as mm -hmm. counselors there's not a mm -hmm. lot of us and so a big piece of it i think is just people don't want to sit down in front of a counselor that doesn't necessarily look like them because if you're mm -hmm. processing certain things like um oh i had a rough day at work because of microaggressions and i feel that my boss is making these comments because i'm black it's going to be mm -hmm. hard to sit down in front of a counselor who's white who doesn't really understand not necessarily from a textbook but also personal experience as well mm -hmm. and there there's a huge disconnect I'm, I'm doing a lot of research on it now between um professional counselors and their lack of training in black americans mm -hmm. there there's not a lot mm -hmm. i can show you the research on it it's like this much <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of training because there's a lot of race-based trauma that goes with that as well that they're not equipped to help process there's no specific um, effective intervention that has been created as of yet to help process those race-based traumas that black americans feel so i think that's part of it having more people yeah. that look like us yeah to help with that and then also um within our community when our kids are growing up, not dismissing their feelings and emotions uh -huh. of, um, oh, well, what you mean you sad and depressed? Oh, you, you ain't got nothing to be sad or depressed about. You you seven years old, go sit down somewhere. Uh -huh. Because their emotions are real. And it's yeah. at that time when they're seven and they're like coming to you and saying, hey, I'm sad about this. That's the time to teach them how to deal with that emotion rather than uh -huh. chewing them off. Uh-huh. And and that another thing is um um not shutting down the conversation mm -hmm. because um once like I, I've had this before, like real recently, to where I had a coworker that she was new and the things that she wanted to do was way beyond the things that we were doing. Like, like that's somebody else's job to do that. And I, she, she, she brought it to my attention that I would tell her she was doing too much, which she was, but at the same time, I could have guided her in the right direction to what wow. she should be doing. Uh huh. Because let's say, for example, um, a temporary food permit. The only thing you need for a temporary food permit, well, one of the things is a food handler certification. She was like, well, I think they should have a food manager certification. Well, I told her you're doing too much because that's, they don't have to have that. Because the food managers, let's say, for example, somebody has a full-fledged restaurant where they have to do this, 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 and this. The mm -hmm. food handler is just basic knowledge of what you really need to be doing, like yeah. washing your hands and little stuff like that. So I, I could have handled that better where I could have guided her. And so I'm as I'm getting older and I'm learning this profession because I've never been a supervisor before until this year. So as of mm -hmm. as of January 1st, I became an environmental health super uh, environmental health manager, which even though you're saying you're not a big deal, it this position is a big deal. But it's yeah. it's weird because nobody is really mentioning it. But I found out that I'm the first person for the city of Beaumont that have this position that look like us. 
Yeah. And and no, and like unless you know me, unless you in this little circle, nobody even knows. And I'm yeah. like, wow, like they, I don't know, if they just maybe he not gonna make it, or I don't know. But um, I'm learning. That's what I. That's why I asked you about the different personalities because I was I I went from having to just do my job and just handle that to now having to tell this person to do this, this person to do this, and this person to do this, but I can't say to this person the same thing or say it how I said it to this person because they're going to yeah. take it this way. You know? So I'm navigating that because even though I'm saying it, saying the same thing, I have to mm-hmm. say it in a different way. Have to like, like softly give oh, it to yeah. me. Absolutely. So yeah, everybody is definitely different. So just learning like who they are and what they need. That's the Uh biggest part of managing all the um, different personalities. Just being able to pinpoint how to handle it and who I'm working with. Uh Uh-huh. That and not get ran over in the process because it, because, because like um, some of the conversations, I'm like, you wouldn't say this to the other manager or you wouldn't uh-huh. say this to our supervisor so it's it's taking that mental note but not at the same time taking it processing it but not actually lashing out or just like one of the things i've learned is some people don't know how to process things effectively or efficiently mm-hmm. like yeah so it whenever they they don't know what to do their emotions sometimes it comes off as anger and it's not really anger it's really fear or uncertainty uh-huh. it's, some, it's something else besides really yep. so like anger is a secondary emotion so that's the second yeah. emotion you feel yeah so that's why like if I said if, if I didn't make it with health because that was my second option my I was going to be a psychologist because I always thought it was interesting in seeing how people think uh-huh. Because we can look at the same wall and like, man, that's an ugly wall. But it, oh man, look at the texture on that wall. Like uh-huh. we're looking at the same wall. Yeah, absolutely. So. It is definitely interesting. Um, the way the mind works. Mm-hmm. Have you? Um, there's a. I don't remember the name of it, but there's a, a show like uh, I think I was watching on um, Disney Plus. It was talking about talking about like uh, mind games. So like, you can let's say for example, I saw these three cups, and they all had juice in it. There's all different sizes, but each mm-hmm. one of those cups, that same amount of juice fit in them. But if you look at them side by side, you never think they're like little stuff like that. So it's it's some real some real cool stuff out there. Oh, absolutely. That, like even even the colors, the colors that you uh, see is because of light reflecting off of it, and it's it's a bunch of cool stuff out there that you would never think about that yeah that they make a show out of. I'm gonna have but, to look um, that up too. Yeah, I'm whenever um I'm gonna put it in the comments when I remember the name of it, but it's actually pretty cool, it's something to check out. But um one of the things I I don't want to skip over is. Like um, I know you you have uh, your, your you say your your clients in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does somebody reach you? Like how do they get in touch with you? 
That is a good question. Um, so I do have my website. It is www.experiencelife-counseling.com. Um, mm-hmm. And on the website, it has the contact information as far as um, email and phone number. Mm-hmm. And also um, my direct office um, address as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I know um, you have a Zoom meeting coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Right? On yeah. Was it on the 31st? Oh, no, that was actually the past. It was a few weeks ago. That was on the 31st of July. Ah, you, you know what? I did see that, but I've been so busy. I saw the 31st. I'm like, yeah, it's coming up soon. Yeah, so but, uh, that was in July. Now, now, explain to the people that didn't get a chance to see it. Or is it still online for people to watch? Or is it? Ooh, that's another good question. Um, I'm not too sure if it was recorded. I don't think it was recorded. I think it was just like okay. a, a live event um, that people had to register for. Because the money, it was... Um, held by Zeta Phi Beta um, sorority in mm-hmm. Montgomery County. And they raise money for um, their women's shelter in Montgomery County. So the money that um, people use to um, sign up for it, that's where it was donated. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's another thing. Like I mentioned Lamar, but yeah, I, I didn't realize how, many shelters and halfway houses and stuff with people that just need help and so eventually I'm I'm gonna start off slow because it's just me right now but I definitely want to branch out as much as I can just just because it's it's needed yeah especially in our community Mm -hmm. and I I definitely want to big you up for what you're doing and I hope uh something we said uh something we touched on help someone else because um i want to keep this moving and Absolutely. keep the conversation on because mental health is important for me it's important for you and it's important for our loved ones and everyone else because um that's one part of it because it's what this mm-hmm. is mental health is physical health and what's the other one mental physical and is it spiritual I think spiritual. So they they all they all connected, and when one's mm-hmm. off, so the rest yeah. of them on. Absolutely. Um, I'm definitely gonna stay on this and do my part uh, as much as I can with the mental health mental health part of it. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, just if you haven't already checked it out, um, I'm on Facebook with Grasshoppers here. I'm on YouTube with Grasshoppers Ear. I'm on Anchor on Grasshoppers Ear, which is also on Apple Podcasts and all that. So I'm I'm out there and Yeah. Like, so and and like in another thing, this is what I've been doing, like there's not a lot of stuff with Cheek Texas on it. Like when mm-hmm. people think of Texas, all they think about is horses and bull riding and all that. So that was one of the reasons why like my shirt has grasshoppers ear on it my hat like oh it does oh yeah even know so let me let me throw one else so my bracelet you can't see it because of the camera it has grasshoppers there on it and on the back of texas on it i love it so and and i mean you definitely welcome to it oh listen on my hat my uh, my cousin micah has a fishing team i like to shout him out oh really (laughs) Yeah, well, he's 
he's in he's in Japan right now, but he's gonna be uh he he does have a fishing team. But yeah, um I'm just I'm just branding anything I can. Like I got yeah. sweatpants, shirts, I got hats, I got bracelets. Anything I can put cheek on and have a positive light behind it, I'm with yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I applaud you for what you're doing too, because I feel like that's one of the steps of going in the right direction of bringing awareness about uh, mental health, especially amongst mm -hmm. black men, because mm -hmm. we're struggling in our community mm -hmm. um, for real. Because um, mm -hmm. at an early age, black men are taught to suppress their emotions and they get disconnected. So bringing that to the forefront and getting people more comfortable with being able to express it and giving them a place to be able to do that, I applaud you for that. I appreciate it. And I definitely want to keep this conversation moving. Um, and I'm going to upload this on Thursday. But we're going to definitely make this a two-part episode because okay. it's important. But we know how short people's attention spans are, especially mine. So, <laughs> So we're going to break this up. And Sounds good. Again, I appreciate your time. And Anytime. You have my number. Anytime I can help what you're doing or even if I can, um, if you have an event like that I can be a part of, just let Absolutely. me know with it. And anything you want that I have, look, let me stand up. I even I even uh, pulled out the, the bucket hat song. Hold on. I love it. I'm on. I'm on everything. I can't work this camera like I'm supposed to, but I'm on everything. <laughs> Look, I I even got the pink ones. You want your pink yes, one? I got. I, yeah, I like the pink. That's a nice pink. Hold on. I got the sweatbands. Oh. I, I, you doing I, it up? I gotta step up my game, man. <laughs> I, I'm on. I'm on everything because and and the thing about it is. I only make stuff that I actually like. So I, I if nobody yeah. else likes, I am fine with that. And even the bracelets, the bracelets glow in the dark. Oh. I I, I got it just because I like it. I yeah. like everybody wearing glow in the dark. I, I got it though. The pink one glow in the dark. I'm going to get some white ones that glow in the dark. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just doing stuff. But yeah, um, again, I appreciate you. And we're definitely gonna do this again. And Absolutely. whatever, whatever you need for me, you got my number. I'm with I it. Sure will. I'm gonna reach out. Cause these Chico G's gotta stay together. <laughs> that bus one crew. <laughs> yes, man. All right, I appreciate you. Thank you. You have a good night. All right, bye. Bye.